Yeah, so I had to get a, I had to go buy a new trash can, and just all sorts of hilarity ensued. Whoa, 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 what? Domestic life. Those are the things they don't tell you about about being an adult. <laughs> How's it going, Boo? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. Doing all right. It's been a very interesting week, a very reflective week. Uh, okay. Well, why? You know, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit, man. I don't care about your problems. <laughs> we all got problems, Luke. Boo freaking who, Mr. Everyone's got dead people. <laughs> yeah, make it about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I was actually just got done uh, paying attention, paying attention, actually listening to for the, like, uh, a in um periodic outburst our phase three uh, our uh third episode of catching foxes ruins the movies the mcu phase three and what did you think about the uh the editing of the things i dropped in it's good it, i love i wish there could have been more song i wish there could have been more clips of um uh gosh um what's the word i'm going for not the script but like the dialogue I try to keep oh, all really cool. all clo- all clips under eight seconds. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even though we're providing commentary upon something, and thus technically falls under fair use, I am very weary of those things. And so, especially when I use theme music <laughs> like the Avengers theme, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So don't sue us, Hans Zimmer. Um, is it so? Is it eight seconds total or eight seconds per clip? Uh, I was always told per clip. And so, okay, because you had it for Civil War, but not much for anything else, which is fine. What I had, what uh, dialogue clips? Oh, so you're talking about wait, Civil War was phase three? Yeah, oh, you're right, you're right. I, I mean, I have plenty of dialogue. Clips. No, I'm not trying to criticize Luke, you. Or literally, I just, I just the first really thing it. you said was a criticism. Oh, I wish <laughs> I that took me six. Hours. I know, I know, I know. In I'm three not... <laughs> stages. I know. I was about to say, I know that it's a lot of work. I really enjoy what I'm saying. I really enjoyed what you did, mm-hmm. and I wanted more of it. Mm-hmm. So it's a compliment. Mm. Uh, let me see here. Let me see. I'm going to play. Here we go. Consequences of conviction. Yeah, that's that's Civil War. That's Civil War. Civil War is so perfect though for him oh yeah yeah because it's uh, well, it's a very dialogue heavy film yeah there's a lot of tension there's a lot of like it's an it's a it's really a dialogue in a lot of ways between two yeah. uh competing foreign diplomacy yeah. philosophies <laughs> don't want to get technical dude i have i have some good ones from spider-man Oh, did you, did you, okay, so, uh, okay, number one, you're totally correct, because I just realized between it, there's like an hour, (laughs) it's like, well, maybe not an hour, but like half an hour, but um, did you realize the clip that I put in after we were done talking about Spider-Man? Did you realize what that, oh yeah, that weird thing was? The Breakfast Club? That was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. This has been Catching Fox's comment on their last episode. (laughs) Oh gosh, yeah. I uh, had another episode this week of going off on a person who was criticizing our podcast. Uh, Luke, why? What happened? What happened? (laughs) 
So uh, go on to your Twitter account. No. Okay, don't. There was some tweet, and I, I don't know why, because I was supposed to be off of Twitter this week, but I logged on really quick because I'm an addict. And uh, we had a tweet from a guy who's like, uh-oh, how are you guys going to respond to this? And it was someone on our Catholicism being like, I try to enjoy these guys, but they're like, it's just something really just extremely douchey and long. And, and it's one of those things where I was, I just sat there and thought, you know, I'm not saying that your criticism is invalid, but I can't stand it when people criticize us for something that we're not. Like when we're not what they want from a podcast. It's like, just say, it's not my thing. It's like me with... Uh, like techno music it's just not my thing so i don't criticize it because i know some people really like it i understand that it's a, it's a whole thing it's a billion dollar industry that i'm not into so i don't listen and i don't comment on it because it's not my thing and it just drives me crazy when people talk crap about us because we're not what they want us to be and i don't this is one of the things that i wanted to talk about was i don't handle criticism very well Especially when I feel like my when my anger to what's being said is justified. Yeah. So my reaction is still wrong because I tried to say like okay, so, what, so I tried to point out like certain things like what do you mean by this? What do you what do you, what do you mean by that? Exactly. He used like some term that's more. Uh, it's just like that's a term that's like big on four chan or something. I'm like I don't even know what you mean. But I, don't, I don't even understand like, like what this word means. And he's just super sarcastic. Like he can yeah. His response was just, it really felt like a person, how to put this the right way without offending a lot of people, who like went to Thomas Aquinas and really wanted you to know he went to Thomas Aquinas. So I'm going to like use like logical arguments and like be very clear that I'm like, you know, going to take your, take your thing down because I know how to argue. And I just responded with, fuck you. <laughs> That's Luke. <laughs> Well, well, I think they won that <laughs> argument, Luke. Because <laughs> yeah. it was just this huge thing. I'm, I'm just like, you're an asshole. Like, and and then actually, I was, so I did a little. This is kind of like in, um, inside baseball. Won't make any sense to anyone who doesn't use Reddit. I then it, then I put edited colon clarity. <laughs> and then I told Aaron. Aaron got really mad at me, and I just like, you know what? I need to just delete that in my account. I'm not going to comment on Reddit anymore. God, that is so. I just can't fun. do it. I can't do it, man. And I again, I'm not saying that like this person is a jerk and that I uh, was right, but I'm also not going to. I'm not going to go. Well, I think my frustration was well founded. My response was unwarranted, and that's I struggle with that, man. When I get really angry about certain things, I just I I, I don't like that about myself. And Aaron brought up this really good point. She said, if you keep this up. You're going to be the guy who, like, people go, he's great, but blah, 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 blah. Like, he flies off the handle. He loses. You know, and I don't. <laughs> and I know that's, like, part of the appeal for certain people, like, with me is that, like, you'll say anything. <laughs> but I don't want to be that guy where they say he's great, but blah, 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 blah. I would rather they say he's that guy who is really honest to a fault some sometimes, but he worked through it. You sound so complicated. You know what I do, Luke? Hmm. Can I just can I give you the Gomer tip of a happy life? No, I understand. You just don't pay attention. No, it's not just about not paying attention. It's about str strategic apathy. <laughs> <laughs> it is strategic apathy. And what I mean by strategic apathy is there are places that exist on the internet where it foster it's called the internet I'm actually classing this up dickwad theory. Anonymity plus massive audience 
equals dickwad. Okay, so you you have a jerk. That is the recipe for ultimate jerk. Okay, now if you're gonna do Reddit, you got to do Reddit like a gentleman. Okay, now I don't do Reddit. I went on Reddit once. I didn't get it. I didn't really explore a lot. I was like, I'm supposed to ask Obama anything? How do I ask Obama anything? And I couldn't figure it out, so I just left. But who do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have one question. Who do you think you are? No, the um, the CGP Gray does his, you know, I talk about him every so often. He creates a subreddit for his shows because he believes the type of conversation that exists on Reddit is important and must be fostered. I agree. But he also knows that it's a bucket of crazy when you're just out there in anywheresville. And he's not going to post his videos or his content or any of this stuff out in the middle of nowhere. So he created his own subreddit for each of his podcasts and his his YouTube channel. And that's where people, he gets feedback. And it's all in one form. And it's not sending him email. So I like Facebook for that because a lot of people are on Facebook that are uh, we 30 year somethings. Um, are still on Facebook for the most part. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot easier to have conversations with people that way. Um, and so my big, my big goal with that is um, I, I, don't, I, I don't care about Twitter um, because I find that Twitter is a lot of broadcast and not a lot of conversation. And Facebook is a lot of broadcast, but Facebook groups can be a lot of conversation. So I don't think we need a Reddit mm -hmm. page, but there is, I, I mean, I have a friend who's an active, He's my godson, an active Reddit user, and he's like, it's really funny when they talk about catching foxes on there. They bring you guys up a lot. And I was like, well, that's cool. And he's like, not all the time. And I was like, no, it's still cool because we're affecting the conversation. Yeah. I just, yeah. Yeah, no. And, 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 I, and it's sad that we're affecting the conversation. I know. It's one of those weird things where, like, for me, I love Reddit. I really do. I love what it can be at its best because it's just so, it's, a, it's, it's so interesting, the communities that come out of that like i can remember i was real into our mad men and we just posted like just we just analyzed mad men and all of the episode and stuff and it was just so positive and so great just such like a pleasant great experience and then our catholicism for me has just been super difficult like just super super difficult um yeah i've more enjoyed it's, it's weird it's like it's just it's because you really have these weird communities that form all around a particular topic and it can be great like i'm i really enjoy our mls and like i've seen like i've seen certain subreddits completely change over time it's been so interesting because of just people who are there they you know there's this weird ebb and a weird ebb and flow to a community so yeah um i'd be curious to see what our catching foxes would be like yeah and you'd be the moderator so you'd never get banned <laughs> there we go it's just yeah and i i don't know it's um I'd be. I would love to talk to Father Mike Schmitz and just hear him. I I, I would love to talk with him about this offline. Um, and how does he handle Wait, it? When what he is it? what is this offline? You I speak? know, right? <laughs> I mean, this is coming from Luke, who literally me and him had a fifteen minute conversation today, and we were like, "Oh, we should have recorded that." It was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. I believe at one point you called me the Roseanne of Catholic speakers, <laughs> which was dead on. <laughs> which makes me the Dan. Um. Uh, no, I just would be curious to hear how he handles criticism, because the thing that I, I think what what hurts me the most about like this is why I think I get so butthurt over this stuff, especially on a Reddit page, because 
I love the medium, like that being the the website itself, and I love our podcast, and we work really hard on it. And I put a you know, you put a lot of time into the editing. I put a lot of time into the things that I do, which are what I don't know. Um, got Google documents. <laughs> Sometimes on Word. <laughs> like yeah, true. Like I like, but we really do put a lot of like art, like. It's super vulnerable, and I'm not saying that we need to be applauded for for that, but I am saying that it uh, it's just tough when you hear someone being like, "You guys are stupid." <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wow. So thanks, but you know, but the, here's the, the crappy part: is I had a great chat with eight with um one of our one of our, one of our uh, listeners yesterday, and he was so like he just gave us the most beautiful compliment about how our podcast is impacted him and just what we are doing and it was a, like I, I i one of the things that i absolutely love is when we like have a listener say hey i just have a specific question for you could i talk to you for like 10 or 15 minutes it's like my favorite thing in the world like i will do that all day every day if i could because it's just so great to connect with a person and i wish i could be and i wish that that was what like set the tone for my day and it did like that's what i will remember in the long run but it was all of a sudden it was like this stranger on the internet is talking crap about me hey gomer this will not stand <laughs> strategic apathy luke strategic yeah. apathy. but okay but here's here's the hard part though this is one of the things that i struggled with i i i understand the context of being detached from outcome when there is is um nothing that i can really do about that so for example um talk about you know I don't know. How do I put this? Um, that how do can you like? I I I I think. Sorry, I had to think out loud, which <laughs> I had to think in my head and then blab out loud. So it made no sense to anyone. That was some good ten seconds of podcasting. Um, what I'm wondering is how do you be strategically ap- apathetic and how do you care about the things you should care about, and not care about the things that you should not care about? Because it's like one of the things that I struggle with at times is when I try to not care that I feel like the only way I can do that is by not caring about the good things either. So it's all or nothing with you. Always. Yeah, dude, I'm Luke Carey. That's that's what I've been my entire life. But can't you just not go on Reddit? Yeah, and that's what I that's why I actually like deactivated my account cuz I said, you know what? I'm just not going to interact. I'm not going to, I'm really going to just kind of go to I think I need to I, I think I need to step away from the things that I'm too invested in. Yeah. Like, here's the funny thing. So with MLS soccer, you can have a lot of discussion. You're, and I'm sure you can get into the, the inside baseball minutia of it um, and, and where disagreements come in and you could maybe get heated over it. But a lot of these, like Mad Men, what are you doing? You're going to argue over, I mean, if, these aren't religious wars. I mean, they can seem like it. But when it comes to your faith, our Catholicism subreddit is so damn general. I mean, you're going to bring in ultra liberals, ultra conservatives. Well, thing. It's not. This is the weird part about it. It's not. Okay. It's like right of rad trad. Oh, okay. So and that's it. it. And that's, that's it. Yes, pretty much. That is what I mean by how these communities change. So in the past, apparently, it was extremely progressive, and then in the past couple of past couple of like years or so, it's just swung over. To very a traditional, very like pro the Latin Mass, very like disdain of Pope Francis, all those things. 
Like, I literally put a post on there one time saying, I know it's not a rad tread circle jerk, but here's the newest episode of Catching Foxes. Oh, God, <laughs> you are disgusting. Good Lord. That was too far. I think I deleted it. <laughs> At some point, you do have to say, I have to have an income. I have to have a job. Why do you go to such dark places? You know, I was talking with someone and they said, I am shocked at your filter. And I said, what What do you mean? And they were like, well, like you talk in a very normal way. But when you're in front of teenagers, parents, like you, you, like I always thought, like, she's like, I'm ne- I never want her to slip up. And I'm like, what? Well, yeah, you can't do that. like you can't drop f-bombs when you're doing a parent meeting now i don't always drop f-bombs people are having this mistaken right (laughs) it's like so just so everyone knows we talked about this today when we were on the phone people think we curse like all the time it's not the case they'll like email us or we'll get a message like facebook like don't you ever stop effing cussing again f yeah and i'm like that's a lot of curse words why are you doing this <laughs> now for me i find cussing hysterical in the right context but or meaningful in the right context too but i'm not uh, i i think maybe i go through phases where i'm very pro- prolific prolific with it but i also mm-hmm. understand that an audience of i don't know maybe you're listening to this and you're, and you're catholic or christian or whatever and you don't really like cussing. I, and I know that. And we've gotten emails from people who are like, I'm still getting used to the cussing. And I'm like, no, I mean, you don't have to get used to it. I don't want, I don't want people to be like, well, I swallowed that bitter, bitter pill and now mm. I cuss like a sailor. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't ever give talks where I use an F-bomb. I've never, I've never said shit in a youth talk. <laughs> like, that well, ain't me. It's weird. John Paul too. I don't know which document this is. He talks about it's. I think he's going on about like modesty, and he says, and he used. I'm, I'm almost positive it's Jumple too, and he used swimsuits as an example, saying they're appropriate for the beach, but in like a school, it's not. You know, like that's why like it's a little bit easier to like if people are all in like bathing suits on a beach, it's not as much of an occasion. Like lust as it'd be if they had that outfit in the class, you know, like somewhere else. I, I don't want to put a word that's not so pleased. This is, I'm just trying to, to recall. And there's, I guess what he's saying is there's a context for certain things that like we think it's okay for, for, you know, to like have a person not have as, not have as much clothing on because they're on a beach. Now, there's tons of things about like what that, what like looks like. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying like, and I think we can all agree. That even the most modest individual has less clothes on at a beach than they do in a classroom. Would you agree with that? I mean, I wear my bathing suit <laughs> to class. So, <laughs> of course, no, so, I was homeschooled, so win-win. Yeah. Like, what we're saying there is that there's a context. You know, like, mm-hmm. this is appropriate for what's going on here. Like, we are a little bit more, like, loose with our speech here because this is a podcast with an explicit tag that people understand is more heavier content, you know, and the way I talk on here is not the way I've ever spoke to a student before ever, 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 nor would I ever talk to a parent that way. Like it would never even cross my mind to. So that's where we differ. I cuss in front of parents all the time. I'm just (laughs) kidding. I do not. The, uh, yeah, you know, it's so funny. It's so funny, but people have, but 
I think the reaction is the uh, I tell people all the time, listen, I am not a um, cussing is not a core value. Being honest is. And I have exactly. been in too ma- so many conversations with people in the church in all people in the church in all different backgrounds of the church, bishops, right? Priests, religious, right? Cloistered. I have talked to so many different people and I've heard people cuss in every single one of those things. And my whole thing is, oh, okay. So this is you being human and you might let, uh, you know, a word slip here or there, but our culture at large, I mean, our culture is gratuitous with it now and I'm not gratuitous. I don't think I am. Sometimes I you get to be, to but I think sometimes. you only get to be gratuitous so that I have to edit it extensively. Yeah. <laughs> and something. there are times that I'm like, oh, this would be, and, and like, you know, and I'll be blunt. There are times when we have crossed a line and I've gone, oh, that's too, that, that, that felt wrong. Like you just kind of know after you do it. And I think we do a good, but it's just, it's good to be aware of those things, I think. And it's just, I don't know. And I, I need, I, as much as, <laughs> it's funny, I want to be held to the standard, but I don't want to hold others to that. It's just this idea of like, hey, can't we screw up? Are we allowed to like a little bit of like, you know, like where's our room to, to screw up here? I don't know. And that's kind of an interesting thing because should that room, should we have as much room to screw up 130, sorry, 100, is this our 100th and 40th episode? Right? I think so. Should our, should, should the amount of, should the amount of like room we have to screw up be as big as it was when we were on episode eight? No, we're professionals now. Yeah, I know. That's sweet, sweet patreon.com slash CF money. Literally, I was just going to say those exact words. <laughs> uh, uh, we are we are one person. We are one we are one body. One we body are one boxes. body. One body in Christ. I used to have a music director that would say Christ. Christ. That song. We are one body. And we do not stand alone. Settle down. No. <laughs> I was at mass the other day, and they started playing "Go Make a Difference" uh, as we were leaving, and it was a mass for adults. And I thought, nah, I guess it wasn't a mass; it was a children's mass. And I just thought, hmm, go make a difference at mass. This is getting old, people. <laughs> Can we please? This is the part where I want you desperately to marry the age, <laughs> and I want you to marry this age. So you, you, I'm sick and tired of seeing all these people who married 1998. Ugh. <laughs> That's being generous. You know what we need in the Catholic Church? More people with master's degrees in liturgy from an amazing place. The Liturgical Institute is that place. Get your master's degree in liturgy. You can do it during their summer program. They have three-week-long classes starting on June 9th. Awesome stuff. Or you can just go to take a single course. It's wonderful. The summer program is huge. The master's degree in liturgy, you can get that as well. 100% of Liturgical Institute graduates are working in a field related to the degree. That's awesome. The summer program is ideal for those who are in schools and parishes because it's only six weeks out of the summer. They have a wonderful and unique synthesis of both prayer and study. Women and men, laity and clergy, everyone to form personal and professional relationships. It's a great environment is what I'm trying to say. This is at Mundelein. It's a beautiful campus. We have the summer course options, liturgical traditions, East and West. Awesome. Ritual, symbol, and worship, gravy. Reconciliation, anointing, and death, pretty heavy. Music and worship, that is one of these summer courses. I could sing of your love forever. 
Liturgical Institute. If you're wanting to find out a little bit more, just take a class, do the whole master's program, whatever, go to liturgicalinstitute.org slash CF. That lets them know you came from us. We want to thank the fine folks at the Liturgical Institute for sponsoring this show. What is it about, what is, is it just that the songs are now outdated or is there more to it than that? Okay, so I think it's like the Hillsong thing. Like there are, there were acceptable forms of Christian music and Christian worship music. And then you had someone like a Hillsong who just keep pushing the quote Mm -hmm. unquote, and I'm using quotation marks for this, the envelope of that type of music. So they're expanding it kind of creatively. And I think David Crowder did a lot of that. Is this a Christian song? Is this a worship song? Well, now it's techno. What's going on? And uh, I think that a lot of people like, I think the music, because of that creative envelope is being pushed, are challenging. You know, like it's becoming a more mature form. And when you look at earlier stuff, like I have um, a buddy of mine, Charles, that I work with. And he, uh, and I told him, I said, you know, I want to get some of your old school praise and worship music. From like the 1970s charismatic renewal. And he goes, no, you don't. <laughs> it's like, yeah, because it's all about like, it's almost entirely scripture. It's all like praise, 100% praise. And he goes, yeah, but he's like, you will never hear cornier music in your entire life. And I was like, I know, but it's not like full of empty promises. So the, one of the things I hate about praise and worship is it is literally filled with empty promises. Like, I will never leave you, God. I will always love you. And, and I literally will be like, I don't know if I'm going to sing this because I don't want to lie in church right now. <laughs> like, I will always love you until you know who walks in. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yoga pants in church. <laughs> oh, oh, my Coke dealer. Good point. Good point. <laughs> my Coke. I love you right now. My Coke dealer. My Coke dealer just walked into mass. Um, but this notion of like the Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's horrible. You're an asshole. Um I know. The uh the uh Oh, you threw me it's off. My game. Coke sniffing noise. I know. I know. Horrible. And then I'm talking about why I don't cuss, and then I just told you that you're an <laughs> asshole. Um we are you know what we are people, we're complicated. Let us screw up. <laughs> I'm drinking an absurdly large glass of wine because I didn't want to get secondsies. <laughs> I should have went and gotten two beers. I've already had one. No, oh, you. But no, what I'm trying to say is as the art form itself has matured, I think you can look back at that in terms, especially in terms of music quality, I think it's gotten much better. But you look back at that old stuff and you're like, this is so corny. But those old school praise and worship songs were all about God. They were, it was like the book of Revelation, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're holy, you're amazing, you're awesome, you're this, you're that. Now it's all like, I will love you. It's, it's all like romance songs, but with praise music. And it drives me a little insane. And I think I brought this up before, but one of my biggest regrets when we interviewed Aaron Gillespie was like didn't talk about his experience having to write praise and worship stuff because one of the things that he talked about on another podcast was that when he decided to get out was when they was when he was at a meeting out in the Nashville out in Nashville and he was sat and he sat down with a bunch of executives at a record or like you know like someone out there and they said what you need to do is write as if you were writing to a mom she's in her she's she's like our age. And her husband probably is probably cheating on her, and she's having to drive the kids to their soccer practice. What does she want to hear when she drives back in the car alone or something? Oh, my was, God. Yeah. And he was like, oh, that's, uh, that's horrible. <laughs> and so he stopped. Oh, man. Yeah. That's like, that's pretty messed up, right? 
in terms of the industry, just thinking like that's who listens to praise and worship. Mm-hmm. That's their market. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, yeah, I mean, it's true. And I said this before, and actually people on Reddit praised it. I guess this is during the, the revolution when the Radtrats took over. But it was this notion that I said, if you actually listen to a lot of praise and worship songs, it sounds like children's music when you, because I have my Vacation Bible School CD, and they have a handful of, like, normal praise and worship songs and children's songs, but sung by children. And, it, and you can't, you, you, it, it is very difficult to tell the difference between a normal praise and worship song sung by kids and a super corny children's song, mm-hmm. uh, you know? And uh, there's a little difference, but not much. And I said that, and people were like, hell yeah, Gormley hates praise and worship and all stuff. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's <laughs> a lot of people the- called you Gormley. Yeah. Gormley. You can tell this is not a true story. People referred to you as Gormley. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how you know. <laughs> but someone wrote on there that I that I hate, and I brought it up on an earlier show, but my whole thing was like, I don't, I don't believe this about all praise and worship music, and I love praise and worship music, but there is a problem where, <laughs> where it's like you have the other problem where the art form is quote unquote more mature, but it's also heavily, like you just pointed out, commercialized, commoditized, and it's reduced to the lowest common denominator of like, mm-hmm. and, and it's it, it's like oh, it's simple and repetitive, so you can ask, uh, hop onto the melody easily and take hold of the lyrics and the chorus and just really do it. And I'm sorry. I am sorry. But it is also easy to crank out a shit ton of some of these types of songs. Mm-hmm. That's why when you have someone like Matt Marr or Icondolo, where, you, like, you literally know theology is behind their music. Yeah. Or in terms of Ike, like, oh. <clears throat> all of his new stuff, like, I'm just in love with. But it is a uh, – Ike's music, I feel like, I mean, there is so much – blues in it and it is just amazing like I, my kids my kids love his music and i play them like crooked soul and all of that stuff immediately they love it and i think that that, that these are the maturing forms of the art that i think are just getting better mm-hmm. yeah, in I'm one in, way I, and getting commoditized and ruined in other ways so yeah how yeah, does one stay pure in such a culture i think it's kind of interesting it's you have to be willing to be a disruptor, I think. Because if, if you look at it, so, okay, so praise and worship, I'm gonna, we're going to do a little history lesson, kids. So praise and worship back in the 90s wasn't Christian music the way that it is now. Back then, it was the... It was a thing that was there. There were uh, a bunch of songs people might have on their albums, but it was not the thing that it is right now. And it started to slightly change because you basically had more. It was basic. It was what I would call Christian pop. And then you had this ska band called the Insiders, who I love, do an album called Hallelujah, where it was a cover of all praise and worship stuff done to like ska, and it was actually pretty good. Uh, that was a huge. That, that was a huge thing. And then there was a band called Delirious that came out. They were from England. Praise and worship style got kind of big. And then you had the band Sonic Flood. And I actually know one of the guitarists from that band. Um, he's a very cool dude. Um, and they were just gigantic. And all of a sudden, post their album being released in like '98 or '99. It became a thing to make like a praise and worship album, and it became like this. And basically, you had what was almost like shove this like sub 
sub like genre of Christian music became the whole thing to the point now where if you turn on K Love, it's all praise and worship songs for the most part. You don't really hear a lot of Christian pop songs. You don't hear um Amy Grant style pop songs or there's no like DC Talk style pop rock pop rock songs. For them, you do have like Toby Mac, but there's no one doing Toby Mac stuff. It's all for the most part praise and worship things and that pretty much changed that's, that's the way it's been for almost 20 years now it's super interesting that is would you say that's better or worse, worse. is that a good thing or a bad thing worse okay why what, is that because so okay so and I'm, and I'm gonna give you why i think it's better okay here's why i think it's worse so um christian music is a very weird and odd thing and i'm gonna talk specifically about christian rock most people turn to it because it's quote unquote safe, like safe, um, safe music. And it's, you know, here's the Christian version of like other like wage against the, the machine. I remember being at this um, huge festival out in, in, out in Indiana, they would, they would pass out these like one sheet little things that said, if you like, you know, if, if uh, you like Marilyn Manson, check out the awakening or something like, like that, which is just so absurd. But what I think what, Christian music really actually was specifically Christian rock was it was more about the community around it. It was more speaking to people because one of the things that, that I loved going to the stuff as a kid was, oh, there are people who are in the same bands that I'm into. And it's not I don't, I don't like these bands because they are Christian. I like these bands because they are speaking to me about things that are important to me that I understand that my peers don't. And so that aspect of the community was really important and i think you actually had some really great music being being made the 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 top top stuff the bulk of it is just weird pre like packaged crap but you had some really cool things coming out of there and all of that got stifled once praise and worship kind of became the big thing it was just about doing your own version of that get songs for worship on two cds or two cassettes for just 12.99 Hmm. Okay. Okay. I think one of the reasons why I think Christian music, why it could be a good thing that Christian music, quote unquote, dominates over the genre is that for people who are good musicians, I just want them to be in their genre. Like, sure. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm rock. I'm ska. I'm, uh, what, what was, what's Matt Frad's sisters? What, what was that? Uh, oh, she's, uh, God, oh, dream pop, like, dream pop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was some other phrase right in front of it. And I keep wanting to say amniotic, but it's like, <laughs> I mean, amniotic, ambient, am, uh, ambient, but like ambient dream. But yeah. Yeah. It was something like that. And I love, I loved like how specific a niche it was, but she felt totally free to do. I mean, it was called interior castles. Now she has heaps, heaps, good friends. I think heaps, good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but she, like, she was just her doing her thing. And she wasn't trying to do a Christian label thing. She just was a Christian. So she, And that is, is funny because you have all these people who wanted to get out of the Christian ghetto, right? And the Christian ghetto was hated in the 90s. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not a Christian artist. And it was like, I'm, I'm uh, not in it. I'm not. 2000s. Right, right, right. But it's the idea of being, I'm not a Christian band. I'm Christian. We're Christians we're in, a band. in a band. Yeah. And like, the reason why I say like, that's good is that. Christian like, music okay. to me. Right, right, right. Christian music to me should be, in a sense, in a sense, this is just what I'm saying. Like, just go and do the genres like Under Oath did. Don't be the Christian version of, and that frees you from the ghetto. But at the same time, if I'm saying I want to listen to Christian music, I'm thinking 
in my head, it should be almost uh, my my first brain goes to or my first thought, my first brain, my first thought goes to um, it should be like worship music or praise music or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then and then, but but you know, because you can have gospel music and you have soul, you can have um, chant and choral and all of these all these different things. But my first like. The idea is like, well, why not have, if someone says Christian music, I should think, you know, whatever. I shouldn't think Supertones or Five Iron Frenzy. Mm-hmm. I should think of them as a ska band and not as a Christian ska band. But I'll tell you why you do it. You know why you do it, Luke? That sweet, sweet money. Because the sweet, sweet money is in the subculture. It's in the niche. That's true. It's in the no, niche. I was actually just talking about that today. It's really only in Catholic-like circles that the... Careful with your words here, Luke. I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, um, especially anyone who's been on this podcast. So this is not about them. This is just about others. Um, so this does not apply to anyone who's been on the podcast. Want to be very clear, like <laughs> so. But others that I've seen who basically do like music in the Catholic world, if they were to try to play like a bar or anything, they don't make a, nearly a quarter of what they make because they don't have their housing paid for. They don't have their. They don't have their transportation paid paid for all these things that people tend to expect because they can they can get that playing at a church at a catholic church i mean christian bands that played on the churches didn't even get that they would try to sell enough t-shirts just so they could make home just sorry just so they can they could like um i'll make it home like your mileage isn't covered like our catholic our Catholic musicians, a lot of them expect to be paid as if they are Catholic speakers, where you're paying for their flight out there, and that's just not how it works in the real like music business. Which is so funny because I would never, like I would. You're right. I mean, like uh, Emma Fred, when she was on our show, she was talking about how she just mostly plays mm-hmm. bars and all those small small places and clubs and whatnot. But but like here's the thing though. So okay. Um, if you look at certain people, though, that if that's and they're like writer, but like if that if they're big enough in this little like if if they're big enough in this like niche group, they can go and do those those specific things. Why not? That's just what the market on the demands like. They can do that. Like I, I think like I, okay, I don't know what's in Ike's writer, so I'm going to use him as the example. If I to bring him to do like a, like because he doesn't you know I I would pay that for him because I think he's that good and he's worth all that stuff. Like and more, so I, I would gladly do it. A lot of people though who have that, I'm like, Ugh, are you worth that? Like, I mean, really? Like, are you really worth this cost? So you're saying musicians should pay their own way? That's how it is almost everywhere else. Like, if, and- so if a band's playing a tour, I mean, it's I, I, this has been a long time since I've like had to really pay attention to the stuff. But if you're a band and you're on a, if you're on like a tour, the venue pays you a set amount. They're probably not going to pay. Last, again, this could have changed, but they don't pay your like transportation cost. Like that comes out of your own pocket. So they're paying for you to play the show, and that's it. No, you might so have a, funny to me. Yeah. yeah. So it's and so you might have a writer that says like we do expect these things, and they'll they will agree to that. And part of that is food and other things and. It gets super complicated, really, and like some big things might they might pay for they might have like a it might have a transportation cost, but it is not like um, when we pay artists. So I do like a uh, I do a concert series out here, and I pretty much just pay for them to play, and that's it. There's nothing else. I'm just paying them to come and do a concert, and that's how it traditionally is from what I from 
at least when I worked at it, like labeled stuff. Because I was really surprised at how much artists don't actually get. It's kind of insane. And so we treat Catholic um, artists like, like they're Catholic speakers. Well, and many of them have to be. <laughs> like, a lot of them will do both, you know. But, and again, that's, wow. that's, that's what I mean. Like, now, there might be a person who's like, Luke, you're totally wrong, and here's why. And I would, and I would love to hear why. But from my, the traditional understanding of it all, from what I understand, is that, like, I know I've heard stories of tons of bands on different podcasts. And back when I used to work at a label and hearing stories about how it worked, where it was just like, yeah, you, like, maybe you didn't even get paid or something like that. Because, like, you had, like, a cheap, you know, or they didn't get enough people at the door or, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I did want to bring up, sorry, was there anything you wanted to say about that? Nope. I'm just happy I'm a Catholic speaker. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of like sometimes I have weird feelings. Cause I, again, if they're really good and I think it's worth it, like Ike, again, Ike is fantastic. So whatever it takes to get him there, I think you should totally, anyone should totally do because Ike is like, he's a true artist and a tr- just a really great person. And just his very like witness alone is like just to have him there doing his thing. It's just so great. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's weird. Um, and we're, we're so far off from the, the Christian rock thing, but I did want to bring up one point. In the 80s, it, it, it doesn't just come from this. It's not a, just about s- safe music as much as it is about like movements and stuff. So in the hardcore scene in the 80s, you had that you had a lot of um, you had what's kind of called the straight edge movement, or you'd even have straight edge bands. Oh yeah, you'd have bands that would only play sh- shows where people didn't drink alcohol, weren't doing like drugs or anything like that. And a lot of the Christian punk hardcore stuff from the eighties that goes into the Christian rock in the nineties that then that then kind of becomes the you know the like under oath of the aught comes from bands in like the eighties that were either inspired or had a lot of ties to that straight edge mentality of we're this kind of band. We're a Christian band who's about these things. So it wasn't so odd as it was like when, when we were in high school as like the safe choice. It was more like, this is the lifestyle that we and we're about these things. It was, it wasn't very, it was very common to have a lifestyle band, especially in more in um, underground music. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I know. I remember one time I was listening to, uh, listening to Carrie Job singing at a passion conference i was watching a youtube video mm-hmm. and she's at this mega arena and it's like sold out and there's you know 20 30 50 000 people there whatever and she's singing revelation song you know mm-hmm. and it just in huge white letters on every jumbotron and screen it's just flashing jesus jesus like like a strobe light and she's screaming and the first comment was man this woman clearly wouldn't make it in the real music industry See, and i, I thought you i thought you was doing an amazing job i thought mm-hmm. i have a problem with conferences where you're doing praise and worship and it's all about the av but yeah yeah <laughs> it is all about the av um i really hate that shit but um golly now i'm cussing more than ever um <laughs> but at the same time i was like i think i don't know if that applies to carrie jacob but or job um but that is true like because you have a subgenre, you detach it from the whole, all the other genres. I mean, come on. We all remember when Switchfoot went big. Yeah, that killed me, man. They went from being these cool, like, these cool, like, nerd guys to these just, like, what was that? <laughs> it was so weird. It was so weird. I mean, Everyone, every Christian other than you, the proto-hipster, was very excited for them. Hey, guys, one of ours made it big. 
do you um remember when I pulled out like magazine and they like I think it was you and John or it was either John or Adam we were hanging out and I went what the hell because they just looked so different oh because they were all like super hair gelled up and all that stuff yeah and like jean like jean like jackets and like you know whatever and I was like you were the like and and, th- and they would change to like they would, like fly around stage and stuff and they just used to be like just stand there and play these great little pop uh like like power pop rock songs and it just became like what is yeah it was weird and I I love I mean I love I love all of John Foreman's stuff. I think it's incredible. Even some of the Switchfoot stuff was great. But oh yeah. man, Switchfoot man—they carry the dreams of a generation. It's weird though. But when you get into some of the underground bands, like I'm not kidding, like Under Oath is one, and then they were a straight up Christian band until the late um, 2000s. They kind of just got t- got tired of it all. But like some of the best bands in certain kinds of scenes were like like they were able to straddle both. Like a band like. A band like Five Iron, they were kind of big in both worlds. Definitely way bigger in the Christian world, but they were well respected in like the ska world. Well, I mean, there were. I just feel like ska is already such a subgenre that if you yeah, have a no, good yeah. band, they're gonna do well. I, mm-hmm. Oh, Luke, you'll be happy. So at my last, um, oh man, at my last inclusion class, I taught for Protestants becoming Catholic in ten weeks. Ten weeks only. Um, I wrote up on the board Five Iron Frenzy, and that was the only thing I wrote for most uh, for the first half of the evening. <laughs> and I go, how many of y'all know this band? And one hand went up, and I was like, one hand? None of you were Christians in the late 90s and early 2000s? Oh, Luke Gregory Carey would be so angry at you right now. I don't know who that is, but Luke Gregory Carey. Luke Gregory Carey. Would be so upset. And then I explained the story of where... You went on their message board and told them all to love Mary. Not they, them. It was no, the not fans. the Five Iron Frenzy. Yeah, the fans. Yeah, talk about yeah, uh, frenzy board. And, mm, it was mm. a frenzy, um, mm-hmm. but it was so funny. But um, yeah, man, they were big. They were big. Like I knew Scott. Like when Scott was a thing for those two years, I knew mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and I knew Five Iron Frenzy, and I didn't know anything from the Christian world. I mean, I probably one of the best hardcore bands of all time is a Christian band. That's, What's that? It, that um, is Zayo. Mm, they're yeah. regarded as like one of the best ones, and they're straight up Christian for good. I mean, for like a long time. So, man, yeah. what are we gonna do, Luke? How are we gonna solve the world's problems? Well, this is the thing. Like these things, they're not as they're not as black and white as like Christian bands are all like a copy. Like there are there are like nuances to this, and there. Our layers and there are, are reasons why these things happen and like why these movements came came about. Like I said before, how a lot of the Christian rock stuff that we now know really wasn't so much an offshoot of traditional Christian pop as much as it was like straight edge stuff. Now, you, I mean, you have the Christian pop influence there. Like, don't don't get me wrong, but it's not that simple. I was so close to getting you wrong. Thank you for issuing that issuing that disclaimer. There you go. This is yeah. This is why I think podcasts like ours are important because you can kind of just break things down a little bit, a little bit more than you could at a five-minute speech about how great you are. <laughs> oh, I thought you it. were making fun of me. I oh, thought no, you were no, making no. fun of me and what I do for a living, no. Luke. <laughs> uh, Whatever. Hey, here's some cool stuff about the the prison that I found out. Did I did I tell, stop me if I said any of this? Okay. Uh, number one, we um, so the Colby retreat is a weekend retreat, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, about twelve hours a day, and 
after we did that, and this retreat was really hard because there's a lot of hardcore anti-Catholic evangelicals that were there. They were very good. Um, well, we now have, um, on Mondays is what we call a Catholic lay-in, and we had twice as many men show up and sign up to be a part of the Catholic lay-in that we're meeting beforehand. So we have like 40, 50 people now um, coming who have signed up. Um, we have like 20 people that joined RCIA in the prison after the retreat. That's pretty wow. cool. That's awesome. Yeah, including a Jewish dude. And uh, he keeps singling me out and like come up and talking to me. And I said, hey, man, the next time the Jewish guys y'all are meeting, I said, and I'm not talking, will you let me just sit and listen? I said, because I think, you know, it's, he goes, it's so funny that you say that because literally when you start talking, when you start talking about Old Testament stuff, I make them stop talking and listen to you. He's like, we listened to you for 20 minutes today. And I was like, oh, oh, I did not know that. <laughs> you are on the other side of a mini wall. And I was like, I don't want to talk at all. Like, I'm not trying to disrespect you guys. I just yeah, want to yeah. come and listen because I think, mm-hmm. you know, and he's like, oh, no, no, sure. I'll like, I'll ask them. He's like, I think it's great. He's like, we have a great reputation with the, with the Catholics and the other Christian groups. He's like, we do stuff together from time to time. But uh, yeah, 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 that'd be great. That'd be great. So it's just, it's like so cool. It's so cool. So the muzzle top. Man, it is, it is wild. It is wild, Luke. Gosh, Mm. I wish you lived down here and could come. I know. I would, I would really love. Maybe we should use some of the Patreon money at the point in time and we'll just go down there. And I'm telling you, live podcast on a vinyl album. Holy crap. Man, (laughs) do you understand what would happen? Like, I think I would just die. I think I would just be so happy. I would look at my wife and be like, you can't possibly compete with Luke <laughs> and, and I, and I would just die. And she'd be like, well, what about the kids? And I'm like, too bad. <laughs> they will be the standard by which they will always be judged by. <laughs> well, Katiri, your confirmation was nice, I guess. But it's no vinyl album produced in a prison. <laughs> it's just the cover of it. It's on your guys' like mantle, like with a bunch of like candles and stuff and like a cool, like, like one of those, uh, great, one of those great picture lights are like overhead you know that like shines light on stuff or underneath yeah. <laughs> i like how you're getting strangely specific no 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 keep going and then you and then there's just like so you have certain so you want to have uh, yeah i'm, I'm drawing a blank here <laughs> so luke what do you want to talk about <laughs> that was it man oh so this massive word document by massive i mean one page that you sent me is nothing to do with tonight no no that was the thing that you told me to send you Oh, right. <laughs> it's that and super hush-hush thing that <laughs> to you. <laughs> I mean, I won't tell anyone. Yeah. Who can possibly hear this? We're no, sorry. Really. All circuits are busy now. <laughs> Man, do you remember that? Mm. Your kids will never know what that's like. My kids will get a voicemail. Or they will then hang up if no one answers in three rings and then send a text. If even that, man. Uh, Daddy, he didn't answer his brain implant. What an (laughs) a-hole. You're like, that's right. Like, it's a jerk. So my son told uh, a woman that he's been in love with for years, a listener to the show, uh, Joey's daughter. And Joey told me today via Marco Polo that, Noah told his daughter that he's no longer in love with her, and it made her cry. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then he said, in fact, that he's in love with another little girl oh, in, his, in his class. And, uh, and it's brutal. so it's I brutal. know, I know, I know. 
I am Noah's the sweetest kid in the face here, so I imagine there's a little context, but I kind of hope there isn't, only because it makes the story more epic. But uh, Noah then, he, t- he said the name of the little girl, and it's really funny because a couple weeks ago, Noah was saying, you know, I really like this girl. I think I'm going to marry her. And I yeah. said, how come not the other girl? And he says, well, you know, not, not Joey's daughter. And he says, well, I mean, this, and I'm saying this other girl instead of actually saying her name. She has the same hair color as me. <laughs> like, you want to marry her because she has the same hair color? So I made fun of, or I told that to Joey, and he responded, that's gingerist because they are all gingers. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. Them's the rules. <laughs> and literally hanging on my wall is a valentine that Joey wrote to my son Noah. Roses are red, violets are blue. Never forget, kid, that I'm watching you. <laughs> I have it hanging on my wall. I miss Joey. Uh, I'm giving a theology on Tap Talk tomorrow night. Oh, yeah? What are you talking about? Dating and why it doesn't have to suck but probably will? Yep. Are you going to talk about vocation? (laughs) No. Are you going to talk about, Luke, you know what you should talk about? Throw (laughs) out your entire talk and just talk about courtship. Actually, part of my, like, and part of my, like, intro talk, I go, I'm not here to talk to you about chess. I'm not here to talk to you about chess, chastity. I'm not here to talk to you about courtship, whatever that is. (laughs) <laughs> so and then someone goes i listened to your show you should really discover the meaning of courtship yeah it's it, whatever it's an outdated term that doesn't make any sense in the modern context um i had five points and i wanted to talk to you about what my five points were i grabbed the wrong envelope where i wrote them down that's a bummer wow you literally do back of the envelope thinking i like that about you mm-hmm. yeah man i'm a I'm crazy um so here okay, so here are part of my five points I'm just off the off the top of my head Points, points, points. Number one, try <laughs> to go for connection as opposed to ac- acceptance. This idea that like, like it's not about this a person. It's like, do you have a connection with them? Not do they accept you? Okay, points, I like it. Point two, you wouldn't be this mad if she was a lesbian. Explain. So this is a, this is the idea that like. If a girl were to like you, you know, if you're like hanging out with a girl for a bit, she's like, "Hey, man," um, and she she calls me "man" because she's weird, um, not that because oh, I wish I had not said that, not because of what I'm about to say. I just mean like the way that she called, how she calls. Learn for tomorrow. Learn for tomorrow. <laughs> for tomorrow. Yeah. So she goes, uh, "I'm not into you anymore. I'm a lesbian." You're not going to be that upset because there's nothing you can do about that. She's into girls, not dudes. So why would she date you? And I think it's kind of the same thing. Like if she likes a person who has like brown hair and you have blonde hair or like she she likes a person who, you know, she's into different kinds. Of, you know, if she's not into someone with your kind of a personality, that's not your fault. It's just her preference. So why get all distraught about that? You can't change that. You wouldn't be upset if she was a lesbian. And so on and so on. Man, I'd change that talk. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm not going to put it that that way, but I really want to. <laughs> well, there's a, literally like 40 people in your diocese who listen to this and who are probably <laughs> going to go and like, look, where's the lesbian component? Oh, no, I've already brought it up to like a few people going, would this be too far? And then I, then I, then I use that example. <laughs> and what do they say? They Like one girl said, yeah, that's that's too far. Everyone else got a really good laugh out of it. But I think it'll be a little bit too far. You think? Yeah, I don't want to. 
<laughs> Who are you sometimes? I have no clue. Listen, I'm the... Uh, I'm just a... I'm, I'm a rebel thotty, a loner. <laughs> I'm just a girl in the world. That's all you're ever going to let me be. We are trying to find a way to end this podcast. Because I'm just a girl.